Good morning. Uh, this is Rabbi Nassim from Chabad in Carmiel, Chabad Youth of Carmiel. I hope everyone's having a great morning. So, um, this morning I wanted to uh, give you a Tvar Torah, a little teaching that was uh, that way that I had um, this this. What was it? Yeah, this Monday we have a, we started a uh, a a class, a weekly class, an extra class for our students with dinner in memory of a a, a father of a colleague of mine, Rabbi Boaz Kali, Zecher uh, Levracha. Rabbi Boaz Kali was a very special rabbi. One of his main projects was actually not only serving Jews but specifically serving non-Jews and helping them uh, and having conversations with them about Ju- Judaism and the Jewish approach for the world. If you've heard of the seven Noahide laws, so that's what uh, Judaism believes, the Torah believes should be taught to all nations of the earth. So he had a center, world center, in Haifa, and he was involved also with with the Arab population in Israel, had many discussions, met with sheikhs all over, and uh, that he was a very special rabbi. So we started a class, a weekly class, uh, a few weeks ago, and um, uh, just after following, week after his his burial in his memory. So I would like this class, this Torah, also to be in his memory inspirational man. So in the class we had over there was just a really cool Torah which I had I had uh, I was listening to and then something just this morning uh, came to me and I just hope that it's really inspiring to you as it is to me. So the beginning of this week's Parsha we're, we're now in the last uh, book of the Torah Deuteronomy uh, book number 5 we've just entered it second Parsha Vatranan so the por- the por- the portion the Torah portion begins with Moses praying, Moses beseeching. What's he beseeching? He's beseeching that he wants to go into the land of Israel, but specifically to go up to Jerusalem, and he wishes to see and to be in the temple, the temple in Jerusalem, which actually for all, for all intents and purposes, it was going to take. Uh, a few hundred years till it would be rebuilt or built for the first time by King Solomon. So it wasn't, but he was hoping that he could go into Israel and he would build the temple. And he prayed literally, according to Jewish tradition, literally hundreds of prayers asking God, beseeching him. This we find from the words at the end of the first verse, Hahar Hatov Hazeh, the good hill, Vahalavanun. And Lebanon, but Le- Lebanon, Lebanon, can mean the heart of fifty, or it can mean also the play on the words uh, Lavan, as in whitening. And the temple was a place where a person's sins were erased. So here we have a very here's an interesting question, which is why did Moses wish so much to go up this hill? Why did he wish to go to the temple? Yeah, it is a mitzvah to build a temple, uh, but the, most of the mitzvahs are uh, applicable anywhere throughout the world. What's so special about the temple? 
And so to get to this, there's, uh, we'll take a little jump into the prayer services of the high holidays or any of the major holidays. There's the Musaf prayer service, which corresponds to the sacrifice, the additional sacrifice, which was sacrificed on major holidays, such as Passover, Shavuot, etc. So there's one verse inside that says, Which means, in the times of exile, when we don't have the temple, it's been destroyed, we cannot go up, we can't see, or see the service, and also witness the presence of God. And we also can't, Lishtachavot um, literally means to bow or to prostrate ourselves. So we have, again, another question, which is, it doesn't make, is that um, this seems to be untrue, because we can prostrate ourselves to God. We do it three times a day in the Elena service on, uh, on Yom Kippur, the custom is actually to prostrate completely, you know, with full facial prostration right onto the ground. So this is something that's done. So what does that mean that we can't prostrate ourselves, you know, nowadays, if it just, you know, because we don't have a temple? So I think this is like a clue. This is a, a Torah that I've been, I was listening to a rabbi in uh, Migdala Emek, he's the rabbi of the yeshiva there, and he brings this interpretation. He says that there's actually two types. What does really prostration mean? So there's two types of prostration. Prostration literally means, uh, like when you bow your head, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a physical embodiment of um, an act of submission or subjecting oneself to another's rule or power. This is what was done to kings. Uh, to kings or to masters, to nod one's head means to literally lower one's head. So when you talk about prostrating yourself to God, a person prostrates himself to, to God, it, mean, it, it literally means I am willing to follow what God wants from me. I'm willing to go against my desires, my will, and put God's will first. So the truth is that there's two forms of prostration. The first form of prostration, the first form of putting someone's will, and whether it be God or any other human being, or in, in it may not even be a person, right? It may be an idea or a moral or a value. The prostration, the act of subjugating one's will, can be done in a way... Um, in an external way. There's also the difference between it being done in an internal way. So what I mean by external and internal is sometimes, uh, like, I'll, I'll wake up for work or I'll wake up for a prayer, and I'm not up to it, and I'm not really interested in getting up, but I've got to do what I've got to do. That's an external form of frustration, right? I'm not really into it. It's not my thing. But I... I, uh, I Somehow, because of, or I mean, maybe part of me, a deep part of me feels connected and feels like I want this to be, this to be, this is important for me, right? But there, it doesn't really touch all of me. It's not something that really, I, I really deeply, deeply, deeply connect to in every fiber of my being. 
So really, in some places, I'm really feeling forced to do it. Right? I'm not doing fully. I'm not fully free. On the other hand, there's another form of. of I, I just wanted to apologize. I'm, I'm walking past a, a construction area, so there's a little bit of a of a yeah, some noise. So then there's the other form of. Okay, so back to the second form of frustration. So the first is is sort of unwilling. Right? It's it's it's. I'm, I'm chained. Maybe I'm chaining myself. But that's a form of prostration to God, which is external. Then there's an internal form of prostration, and that is the con- that's like a child, which um, and a and a child which connects to his parents, right? So um, or follows what their parents needs, or a person does what's truly important to them, and they really, really connect to it. So, like, there's a. Uh, there's an interesting, there's an interesting metaphor that, or it's used, which is uh, when a, a child or comes home from from war or or, you know, then then there, there's no such thing as um, when the when the child finally sees his parents, right, then we don't have. There's no such thing as conforming to specific guidelines of behavior. So, for example, when when a person is people meet for the first time. So there's certain rules. There's certain rules of engagement, let's say. How we need to speak to each other, greetings, handshakes, etc. And then comes the conversation, and then if there's any sort of need from it, from or reciprocal needs, so then they're, then they're discussed. But when a, when a child comes home to his parents from war, I mean, there's no such thing as, like, this all goes under the bus. I mean, just, there's just this outpouring of love. And that is the second type of prostration, right? Now, when Mashiach comes, and this is now we're going to get dig into how this works with God. So nowadays, a lot of times with our with our spiritual or religious practices, whatever it is, we we have to force ourselves. So there's this uh, even if even if we've done it for ninety days, right? So after ninety days, everyone. It's quite well known that this becomes like our nature, our second nature. But there is still some sort of an act of force that needs to be there. It's still uncomfortable to follow a diet or whatnot. But even more so when we're talking about serving God, many behaviors, many things that we need to do, just we just don't feel comfortable. In the temple, this is something that was there, that because of the presence of God that was specifically there, it caused... It gave a completely different experience. I mean, this became really who we are. And this is one of the, uh, the interesting vort, they say, when Mashiach um, will arrive. So there's different, uh, different prophecies. What, when is that? There will be, you know, the world's um, food supply will be... There will just be so much extra food and clothes, and, and it's almost like as if we had like a Star Trek uh, uh, device that could produce as much, whatever you wanted, and exactly how much you wanted. So there was no such thing as jealousy or whatnot. And then there's also great wisdom will be poured out, and there won't be any more war, etc. So this all depends. So what what is these what what why are these two things like put? Put, put together, I mean, what, a lot of food and a lot of, of hedonism and then lack of war and 
and, and great wisdom? And the answer is because it all depends on what you're looking for, right? So Mashiach is going to be a completion of good in the world. If someone's just looking for their own hedonistic good, well, there will be that as well. And that's not what you should look for, but <laughs> there will be that as well. And so that's why Hasidim, um, they used to hope for Mashiach to come because then prayer would be automatic. What does that mean, automatic? It mean, doesn't mean that it's automatic and therefore not deep. But prayer would be part of... Nowadays, a person has to work like the first type of, of prostration and subjugation. It's not deep within their soul. Mashiach will come it will represent the depths of their soul. And this is really what Moses was looking for. Moses was praying so many prayers because he wished to touch, he wished to actually get there. Now, this is where my personal um, this is, I don't know how, certainly how this is, <laughs> is uh, put up with, uh, I haven't seen it anywhere, but who knows. Anyways, my opinion is that it might be that actually Moses did get there. And that's why he didn't have to go to the Beit HaMikdash. And to a certain extent, it makes sense. If someone comes to hundreds of prayers for a certain thing, that means that that thing has really touched the very essence of his soul. And maybe, and I'm certain that if he would have went to the Beit HaMikdash, there would have been some sort of outpouring of divine love that would have even brought him to a higher level. But to a certain, uh, to a certain extent, or not even to a certain extent, to quite a... Um, a deep place he had actually achieved the second second level. And this is something which I think is very important, something that I've been going through. Now, I always like trying to bring these ideas to, uh, to life in, in my life. So, <coughs> I think that a big part of life is, is moving from prostration number one to prostration number two. Subjugation number one to subjugation number two, through prayer. What I mean by that is that the first step in in any spiritual practice is 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 going to be extremely painful because there's there's a lot of doing things that you don't want to do, and whether or not they're directly or indirectly forcing oneself, there is change, a lot of change, an uncomfortable change. But the rest of the work, and this is what's really difficult and which needs needs extreme amounts of prayer, is moving from subjugation one to subjugation two. Moving, I wouldn't subjugation is a big word, but I'm saying from moving from 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 actually subjugation to freedom, right? Because the the second form is actual total freedom. It's a freedom to connect to the depth of who what is important and who we are. So, and that this connects to every part of who we are. So this is something which is, uh, it's, it's, it's moving from one to two, one to two. And this is something that I've also experienced and I've been experiencing. And as I move from a place of a force to a place of freedom, life gets better. Whether or not in the physical it gets better, if that's, or meaning to say in the material world gets better, that sometimes yes, sometimes no. In a lot of ways, yes. But in my mind and in my heart, it does. Uh, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big sense of freedom. So I think this is an important, important place for each of us, important lesson for each of us. And to understand just how important it is, how many prayers a person needs to put in, how, many, how much time, how much devotion needs to be to be able to, to, to pray that these, this, this, um, this, this service to God and this uh, 
prayer, it becomes part of who we are and not just something that we do. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can always contact me on my Facebook account, Nussan Rodin. And um, I appreciate all the support. If you'd like to support this channel, uh, please give us a like, as well as you can always go to Chabad Youth Carmiel and put in some, some funds. I teach these messages to students on campus. And um, if you believe that these are important messages that students in Israel and throughout the world should know, please do support our Chabad House. Thank you very, very much. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.